you have to surround yourself with like-minded and good people and good mentors. And if you're not receptive to it and you're not willing to listen to some successful people that are in the same business, and if you're not open-minded to what they have to say, you're not going to do well. As you mentioned, some mental illness stuff that's going on, you have to be open-minded and you have to ask for help and you have to be receptive to people that are willing to help you. And Dana and myself, my family, we've been very, very fortunate to have some really good people in our lives. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Cody Bass, pro scout for the Colorado Avalanche and owner of Recurve Real Estate. Cody played 13 years of professional hockey and retired from the sport in 2019. He continues to stay connected to the game as a pro scout for the Avalanche by evaluating talent and potential fits for the team. In addition to his role as a scout, Cody looked for what would be next following his hockey career. He has found himself drawn to residential and investment real estate and has worked hard on this next chapter, getting all the licensing needed and a team in place to serve those in the Nashville area. Cody is now part owner of Recurve Real Estate and makes it his personal mission to get the results you need through dedication, perseverance, and creativity because you deserve to be treated like family. Recurve is designed to build a trustworthy atmosphere that promises to deliver the gold standard of service. He is passionate about putting the fun back into real estate and looks forward to helping others that are currently in or looking to get into the real estate markets. Listen in for some great takeaways about Cody retiring from the sport he loved and moving on to the next chapter in his career. In addition, Cody is extremely passionate about mental health and the impact it has on athletes, entrepreneurs, and the world. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the great pleasure, as you all know, I love talking about hockey and business, and I have the pleasure of having Cody Bass, who had a NHL career and now is a pro scout for the Colorado Avalanche and owner of Recurve Real Estate. Thanks for joining us today, Cody. Larry, thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. Yeah, it's awesome to see you. We haven't spoken in a while, which is unfortunate, but I'm glad we're going to be able to catch up here and have everybody listen into our conversation. So in order to give our listeners an idea of who you are, where you came from, and some background, can you share with everyone how you got to where you are today? Yeah. <laughs> well, we got some time, so I'll just start from the beginning. <laughs> Born in Owen Sound, Ontario, Canada, small town, three hours north of Toronto. Came from kind of, I guess you would say, a lower income family, but we bounced around chasing work with my mom and my sisters and my stepdad. And we ended up moving all over Ontario, chasing work. And then during that time, I was chasing the hockey dream as well. But at that time, you play the game because it's fun mm-hmm. and it's an after school activity and you're just trying to meet some friends. But fortunately, I was pretty good at it at a young age and ended up in kind of Guelph, Ontario. And that's where minor hockey got a little bit more serious with AAA hockey and people and teams and agents approaching 
about the age of 12, which is mind boggling. If you think about the age of 12 and you got <laughs> agents coming up to you, trying to talk to you and stuff like that. To shorten that up, got drafted to Mississauga, the Ice Dogs first round. Still wasn't sure that hockey was kind of going to turn into a career path for me. But, you know, once I got drafted and had to start training a little bit more and taking it more serious, then I get drafted by the Ottawa Centers in the fourth round. Turned pro after four years of junior. Went on to play 12, 13 years pro. Mixed between the NHL and the American Hockey League. A roller coaster ride with being successful and injuries and just the emotional side and the physical side of it is pretty emotional. And then I, I stopped playing and Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland in Colorado were very kind enough to reach out and ask if I wanted to take on a pro scouting job. And, and I accepted. Tough business to get involved in and been doing that for three years. And then I, during that time, I've also funded with my a business partner of mine, Recurve Real Estate here in Nashville. So great market to be into for real estate. And we're very fortunate we got a good team here up and over in Colorado too. Right. That's great. That's a long and windy path you took. And it's not uncommon for a lot of our business owners that we speak with and entrepreneurs. It never seems like it's really a straight path to the top, right? There's always those windings and those deflections here and there. So one of the things we talk about or have talked about on the show a couple of times with folks from hockey is there's so many different paths to professional hockey. And you mentioned yours. And I don't think that many people realize how many paths that there are to get there, right? Now, as a scout, I mean, are you looking for a specific hockey player, a specific path, or it doesn't really matter? You're just looking at the player. Or is there a more common path than others? You got to dive into all the details. My side of the scouting job is I'm a pro scout, but I do touch on NCAA Division One college free agents, senior free agents, some UDC players, which are, are drafted players from other teams that we may feel might not sign because the college level is just different than the junior ranks. But when we're looking at American League players or young players to sign, I don't dive into the amateur stuff and the draft stuff. That's a different department. But I know that there's so much that goes into it. You got to understand in the sports world, when you're looking at kids that are 14 years old or 16 years old, they have their whole lives ahead of them still, right? So it's a gamble. You really have to know the kid you're drafting or know the kid you're signing. You want to know the family background. You want to know where they come from. You want to know the adversities they've been through. Some teams do the psych stuff involved with questionnaires and stuff like that just to try to help to get an understanding of their mindset and their approach to to life in the game. But it's tough. The hockey world is weird and it's almost a flaw at times when you think about it. Major junior in Canada, when kids are at the age of 14, they got to decide if they want to go into the draft and play major junior and chase that, or if they want to go out to Western Canada and wait four years till they're 18 or 19 and try to chase a, a division one scholarship. So right, some big decisions for kids at, at young ages. Yeah, it's crazy, which I think is much different than a lot of the other professional sports. Wouldn't you agree? I think so. Yeah. And uh, you got to like football, all those kids go to high school and college and they get their degrees or not, but they're turning pro at usually 20 21 years old, but they kind of have that path of where they know they're going to follow. But with hockey and major junior in Canada, you got to choose at the age of 13, what path you're going to take. Yeah. Big decisions. Yeah. At a young age, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. You had a long career, 13 years, as you mentioned, AHL, NHL. What was the highlight of your professional career? The NHL is best league in the world. The lifestyle is the best. The financial side of it is the best. The the travel, the hotels, 
They call it the never hungry league because there's food everywhere. <laughs> I can always sit here and say playing my first NHL game or something like that. But I'm probably going to go back to when we won a Calder Cup in Binghamton. I thought that might be it, but I thought that's the direction you were going to. But go ahead. If you look at that team, we had Colin Greening, Eric Condra, Smitty, Ryan Keller, Ryan Patoni, Robin Lanner, Eric Riba. We had probably 10 players that went on to play a lot of games in the NHL off that team. The American League and that team we had that year, we had Kirk Kleindorf as a coach. We did such a good job of bringing the core together. Our leadership group did such a good job of bringing us together. We had a blast, Larry. During playoffs, sun was shining, winning games, you know. Even in Binghamton, and the in sun Binghamton, was I know. <laughs> we didn't see sun for four months that year, but it was fantastic, man. We had so much fun during that playoff run and the grind we went through, the adversities we went through that year, it brought us closer together. And it's amazing how winning teams just things fall in line and everything just clicks. It's a mindset where when we beat Manchester in that first round that year, we were like, we're going all the way. We're doing it. Right. And we did it. That's amazing. Now, as somebody who's seen both sides of the coin, AHL and NHL, AHL, the playoffs, NHL is the playoffs. In your experience, in your opinion, is it very similar in structure? Like in the AHL, is that playoff drive similar in terms of that second season, that push, that grind? Is it just a little bit different or is it almost really a mirror image of what you go through in the NHL? It's a little bit different. A lot more pressure at the NHL level, of course, right? Right. The American League, when I first turned pro, the American League was still had a pretty highly winning culture. It was still a development league, but there were still a lot of veteran players. It was okay to have, and it was very common to have three or four guys that were in their 30s, low 30s, and a couple guys that were in their high 20s. Now, if you look at the American League, you may find one guy, maybe per team, that's in their 30s, right? Right. So the American League now is is definitely more of a development system and a feeder system for the NHL clubs. But you got to understand the mindset that goes into it. Once you hit playoffs, it's like, as you said, it's a new season. It's like all the bumps and bruises that you had through a regular season are gone. You're just right. like, let's rock and roll. Let's attack. And, and that's how it is at the NHL. You cannot... And I don't care if you're a baseball fan, a football fan, even the Super Bowl game last night was fantastic. <laughs> you can't beat NHL playoff hockey. You just can't do it. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> a seven game series against the same team that it just turns into a war and it's a mindset and there's a game within the game. You can't beat it, man. It is amazing. I love NHL playoff hockey. I love it as well, but I guess we're a little biased, but I agree. We got to get everybody watching it because I think everybody would join us once they do that. You know, I tell people that hockey is one of those sports that TV doesn't do it justice. Like football, for example, I enjoy watching football on TV because you don't miss anything. You're able to see it, the replays, etc. But hockey, it's just a whole different animal when you're sitting in those seats live in the arena. It's so much better live and in person than on TV. I don't think television really does it justice. But we're a little biased, I guess, right? I couldn't agree more. Couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. No. So I got to ask you, you had a 13-year career. You're still young. You got a lot of runway ahead of you. You launched Recurve Real Estate. What do you miss most from playing in the game itself? Team camaraderie. The boys, the fellas, getting on the road, the dinners, the laughs, the jokes, the routine. 
when you're playing the game, your schedule is laid out for you. Right. You sleep at the same times. You eat at the same times. Most of the time, you're eating the same food every week because you're on a diet plan or you're taking care of yourself or whatever. You basically have the organization just hands out your schedule. You be here in this time. You show up in this time. You bring this. You bring that. Done. Right. Everything's taken care of you. Right. When I stopped playing, I went through a little bit of a like an identity crisis trying to figure out how do I transition to real life? I call it real life. <laughs> And I went through some dark days, Larry. Like I struggled to figure out who I was as a person, who I was as a father, who I was as a husband. And when you're playing the game, you kind of just black out of all that. You have your tunnel vision, you're doing your own thing. And then all of a sudden, it's like I woke up one morning and it was like, well, what am I going to do today? Right. Right. I had no schedule. I had nothing laid out for me. (laughs) You could eat whatever you wanted. Eat whatever, (laughs) which I have. (laughs) And the routine was gone. So for me, what do I miss the most? I miss the passion, the daily grind, the mindset, the mental challenges, which are way different than the mental challenges I face today with real estate and pro scouting. And most importantly, I miss the fellas. I miss the camaraderie of the boys. Right. And was the NHL helpful at all to you in and other players, not just you in particular, but in terms of trying to figure out what those next steps could be, should be, would be for you? Or was that something you were left to navigate on your own and sort that all out? Mostly, mostly on my own. The NHL, the PHPA, the American League, they do have some systems in place. I think I did a 100 question questionnaire to try to help figure out, I guess you could say, I forget the test, the name of it, to figure out personality traits and what I'm passionate about. There's no one there to hold your hand. There's no one there to lead you. They can help guide you, give you advice, maybe connect you with some people, which I'm learning in world. A lot of it is who do you know and who do you connect with? Right. That's a big part of, I guess you could say, like I said, real life and getting your feet off the ground running. There are little things in there that the NHLPA and the leagues can help with, but a lot of it is just on your own. Yeah. I was very fortunate enough where I worked with a guy named Doc Solomon, who was a neuropsych doctor and stuff like that with the Preds with me living in Nashville. He's retired now, but we still stay in touch. And he was by far one of the best helpers I had. That's great. Just meeting with him, helping him. He was just trying to break me down the childhood stuff too, to help me figure out how do I take my work ethic I did in hockey, which I wasn't very good, but I worked my butt off every single day. And how do I take that work ethic and transfer that into the daily grind of real life. And that daily grind is also being a better husband, better father sure, and providing food on the table. Yeah. I mean, you started playing the sport at five years old and it was such a big part of, if not an overwhelming part of your life. And then all of a sudden it's now come to a close and now you have to go to those next steps and that's challenging. And we've talked to former NFL players in the same vein and they go through that same process. And I think that all professional athletes have to walk through that process But at the same time, I think if you could figure out what the best next step is, and this is just me as an outsider, it's easy for me to say this, right? But like you said, you have this discipline, you have this work ethic. And if you can take that and translate it somewhere else and kind of emulate and do some of the similar things that you would do to help you become a successful and remain a successful hockey player, I think you could be hugely successful at really any kind of occupation or whatever career you want and you find interesting if you apply those things. It's just getting to that point and being able to do that, I would imagine. You nailed it. And the other thing was financially, right? Hockey was able to give me a kickstart to the rest of my life. Right. We all know sports. It's a short love. It's a short-term income producing job. 
I was fortunate enough to make enough to retire for the rest of my life, like some majority of the, the NHL career guys, but it gave me a kickstart to be like, okay, let's take a step back and be like, okay, my wife and we're okay. Where do we want to do? Where do we want right. to go? What is next? Right. We had Greg Camarillo, who was a former NFL player, and he said football afforded him the ability to take some time and reflect and navigate because it wasn't like he was coming out of college with zero in the bank and he had to get a job to have income to provide for his family. He had a little bit of money in the bank to help him and take the time to navigate it. So it was hugely helpful in that regard. You're still connected to the game of hockey as a scout for the Avalanche. Can you give our listeners, because I know you touched on it a little bit, but what do you do as a scout? What are you looking to do and how are you helping? What's your role as part of the organization? What's the goal? Sure, yeah. Basically, for me, the term when I got hired was special assignment scout, but I'm a pro scout. We have a small staff in Colorado. There's five of us and Chris McFarland, our assistant GM, and Joe, they do their own little scouting as well. Our staff and what I do, I'm a feeder system. So I'm building a report. I'm building a book on players, whether that be UFA potential players that are coming into this summer as unsigned that we may think might test the market. We're also looking at trade bait players of who's our projected trade list that we think would help our team. And I start building a book and I start doing my reports based on the avalanche needs and wants and also based on the identity and the culture that we built. And I've been doing that for three years, but our staff was there for a while. And Joe and Chris have done an amazing job trying to build that team identity. And you can see our identity and the way we play right now. We're speed, relentless. We're not overly physical, but we brought in a couple of pieces to help with that for the playoff hockey. We love to score goals. We have an identity and a checklist that we try to follow. But when we're looking at players, it's how do they skate? How do they move? How's their thinking capacity? What is their skill sets? Where do they fit on the teams that they're on, that they're playing on currently? How would they fit on our team? Then we start to dive in. We try to dive into some character traits, which I'm very fortunate enough where I still have some friends in the league. So I can always call around and ask about players. And then for an example, I start building reports. I watch hundreds of games a year and I write hundreds of reports on players. And then I have to break it down, break it down to go over all my reports speak with Chris and Joe on certain players that they ask about and to see if they're a fit for us or not. And then we start looking at acquisition costs of where are we going to trade them or who are we trading if we're making a trade or how much is that UFA going to cost us in the summertime. The hard part right now is salary cap staying flat with COVID and the pandemic, which just there's not enough credit that goes out to the GMs right now in the NHL with having to deal with COVID, the rosters, caps future cap. A lot of moving parts. Flexibility is oh, key, right? Oh, man, the moving parts are crazy. <laughs> yeah. It is crazy. So I've spoken to a lot of people who are like, oh, the scouting jobs, it's a waste of money. You can just pick players out. No, it doesn't work like that. Right. The team that wins the Stanley Cup was built for a reason. And there's a lot of, like you said, moving parts, but you got to make sure the chemistry is there within your group as well. And it's a puzzle. When you're putting together a puzzle, if you got one piece that doesn't miss or doesn't fit. Messes up the whole thing. Messes up the whole thing. <laughs> Very quickly. That's a weak link, right? Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. So do you see scouting as your way of staying connected to the game? 100%. Okay. To me, it's mindless work because it's right. so natural to me, right? Throughout the week, I'm dealing with real estate. And on some weekends when I'm not traveling for hockey, I'm dealing with real estate. And I mean, in this market, we're extremely busy in real estate. It's a blessing. But hockey to me is just mindless work. It's so natural that I enjoy doing it. It's not work for me, right? 
Are you looking to use this as a springboard to a larger role within a organization and moving up the ranks, so to speak? I don't know. I really enjoy what I'm doing right now. Maybe a few years down the road, if I'm still involved in it, I want to see where it can lead. The biggest thing for me right now is just providing for my family. I'm 35. I'm still young. I still have a lot of time, whether it's in the game of hockey or chasing another passion outside of hockey. When I stop playing, I'm like, I want to coach one day. Right. And now that I'm on this side and I'm scouting and you go back and you're in the closed doors, you're seeing all the work the coaches do. You're like, oh, I don't know if I want to coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. Coaches get hired to get fired mostly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Short tenures for most of them, right? That's right. I like my comfort level right now on being on the management side. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Let's pivot for a minute. How has the transition for you been to the new career, to real estate? How have you seen that going so far? It's been going good. The real estate, when I retired, I got offered the scouting job. I was also in the middle of studying for my real estate license in Tennessee. So they kind of went hand in hand where I got them both opportunities at the same time, which God gave me a blessing, was very good to me there. But my first year scouting, I put my license basically in retirement and just put it on the side. COVID came, scouting stopped traveling. Right. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's dive into some real estate. So I was locked on to my license was tied with Keller Williams, which was a good teaching brokerage and stuff like that, but didn't like the culture. Moved on to a smaller private brokerage. Jason Strain, the owner there, was very good to me, helped mentor me and get my feet wet, get my career going in the right direction. And then I got on tied on to a developer here in Nashville that does new construction, large volume developments, which the money and our backing comes from Reed's Heritage Properties in Canada, which Scott Reed is one of the largest volume builders in Ontario, Canada. I also lived in Reed's homes growing up. Well, connection there. Exactly. And then some of the equity money is actually coming from retired hockey players. So there's a connection there that kind of ran the roots run a little bit deeper. And I was very fortunate enough to get that opportunity. And then my partner, Dana Jorgensen, he's from Ottawa, Canada. So another Canadian boy that's down here in the music industry. And we have a lot of similar friends. Dana and I decided to fund Recurve together. And we went on and opened up our own brokerage, which is a learning curve, but it's a risk. Sometimes you got to take those risks in life. And it's been going good. Yeah, we're blessed and we're doing well. We're happy. Yeah. That's amazing. So I have to ask you, because I don't want to be partial to one career versus the other. So what's been your highlight in the real estate world so far? I know it's been a much shorter career thus far than the hockey one was. But thus far, what's been the highlight of the real estate career? For me, the highlight's been the education I've gotten. I've gotten probably a five to 10 year education just in the last 12 months of being connected with some large developers and builders, investment real estate. Dana, is he's a real estate investor. So learning the investment side, which I love and of course you love, has been the highlight for me. Just learning the education and the people I've surrounded myself with has been amazing for me. I've surrounded myself with very knowledgeable people and very good character people that have taken me under their wing and taught me a lot. So I've closed some big deals for our developer, Recurve has, and it's been a lot of fun. Real estate in this market is emotional because there's multiple offers and you're dealing with people's investments. So you turn into a therapist at times, right? (laughs) Dealing with emotions on the side. We do as well. It's just one of those things. There you go. you have money and people involved, the emotions come out for sure. Yep. But it's been a lot of fun. I run high, Larry. I'm always burning at the top. If I'm not going crazy and if I'm not just a little bit chaotic with work, and if you saw my desk right now, you'd be like, oh man, (laughs) that's just who I am. I'm running high on all times. I'm not 
a downer or low key guy. I need to burn the bridge and I need to go, 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 go all, at all times. So I love it. I love it. And it seems like you're really adopting the whole importance of having mentors and having people who've been there, done that in a way, in a fashion that you want to do it so you could kind of learn and emulate and grow much more quickly than you would without those folks in your life, right? You have to. You have to surround yourself with like-minded and good people and good mentors. And if you're not receptive to it and you're not willing to listen to some successful people that are in the same business, and if you're not open-minded to what they have to say, you're not going to do well. This is a world that, especially with all the, as you mentioned, some mental illness stuff that's going on, you have to be open-minded and you have to ask for help and you have to be receptive to people that are willing to help you. And Dana and myself, my family, we've been very, very fortunate to have some really good people in our lives. That's amazing. And now you bring that up. So we'll talk about that now. Actually, one of our previous guests who've been on the show, Jen O'Brien from the American Special Hockey Association, who you're smiling. Our listeners can't see it, but you're (laughs) smiling. I'm smiling. She's probably one of the best people I've ever met and had the fortune of coming across and She's the reason why you and I have ever even met. She kind of put us together a long time ago when you were in Binghamton. And I thought it might be a good opportunity because I know you're passionate about mental health. One thing I didn't know that I just learned, I guess I didn't realize at the time, I didn't realize that Robin Leonard was on that team back then as well, who's been very vocal in the NHL about mental health and mental wellness. But maybe you could share with our listeners how you and I met many years ago through Jen when you were playing in Binghamton. Well, Jen was, she's always been involved with kids and charities and mental health, whether it be disability kids or whatnot. And not to interrupt, but I think when you and I met, she was the executive director of the Magic Paintbrush. Magic Paintbrush which was for autistic children. And she was running that. This predated the American Special, her involvement with the American Special Hockey Association. Yeah. And if for those who don't know Jen O'Brien, she is a go-getter. She's a boss woman. That woman, if she gets something in her head, she's doing it. So I met Jen when just with all the I guess you could say the extracurricular work that she did and the connections she had with Binghamton Senators, with the Magic Paintbrush, and then the charity foundations and stuff like that. And so I connected with Jen because, again, I loved her energy. I connect with people with high energy like that, that are go-getters. I just gravitate to those people. So I gravitated to her. And and then she kept asking me to come over to the Magic Paintbrush shop right. and work with the kids, and I loved. And then there was some... That year, there was, I guess you could say, the incident with Luke Richardson, as you and I talked about, with Darmerson, Luke's daughter, when I was in Ottawa. And I had Jen help me create my Wings Foundation that I was a charity devoted to Darren Richardson to help with some mental illness with kids and stuff like that. So Jen was a big help for me to get that off the ground going. But I still connect with Jen. Jen and I talk all the time with the American Special Needs Hockey Program that came here to Tennessee. Then she put us in touch and then everything you've been doing too, which I love following your rank podcast that you do. <laughs> We're ranking my what, rank of my yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. there's a lot. I mean, like I said, I've been very fortunate just to have good people in my life through many years. So Robin's been very open about it and trying to open the conversation. Carrie Price has come out recently. It seems like there's been a lot of professional, especially in hockey, that have come out and talked about this. How important is taking care of your mental health as a professional athlete and making sure your mindset is right? I think people have a false image or 
false mindset that the superstars are the elite of the elite, the NHL, the NFL, the MLB, the NBA players, and so on, that everything is perfect. You make millions of dollars a year, blah, blah, blah. What can go wrong? Well, it's like the old music songs, rap songs, that money can't buy you happiness, right? And everybody has struggles. And it's really good to see players come out and put themselves in vulnerable situations, which when you were young and you're watching the NHL, and then when I was young and I was watching the NHL players, there was no vulnerability. They were on at all times. They were hard. They were just straight and narrow. They were told what to say during interviews. And now you're seeing athletes come out and be vulnerable and talk about some issues that they face. Human. They're human. People. They're people. Exactly. Right. So social media, to me, drives me nuts. And to see people comment and hide behind computers and rip players apart. Robin Lehner has been so good for the game of hockey. And it's so refreshing to see him still playing, still grinding, still a top goalie in the, in the NHL. And after everything he's been through... And you just have to respect it, right? You got to respect that we all have issues. You have issues. I have issues. We all have our personal issues. So to see players come out and be vulnerable and put themselves in positions to allow people to attack them, hats off to you because that takes a lot of courage to do that. So I love it. I love it. It makes me happy to see players come out, ask for help but also get the burden off their chest that maybe they just need to say, right? Yeah, and I think it only will help the next generation and the generation after that of hockey players and people in general, because the more we have conversations about this, the more we normalize these conversations and our ability to talk about these things, it's just going to make it easier and better for the next generations to kind of work through those issues. I agree with you. I think we have a tendency because they're athletes, because you're an athlete, put it on a pedestal and think everything's all rosy and nothing's wrong. And that's not necessarily the case. And just because you're an athlete doesn't mean you don't have the right or the ability to voice what you're going through and ask for help. I think that it's very, like you said, it's very courageous of guys like Robin Leonard and Carey Price to say, hey, listen, I love this sport. It's given me a lot. But at the same time, I'm going through these things and I need to take care of myself first and foremost. And I think that's a great thing that hopefully they're paving the way for more of that going forward. Yeah, and you're seeing a lot of teams be more receptive and open to it as well. You're seeing some, what I would call some old school personalities being filtered out of the game that if you're not willing to adapt you're a dinosaur and that goes not just in hockey or sports that's life (laughs) and the players still need to understand that it is a business it is a job so yes there's a very fine line on i want to be vocal i want to do this i need help but you have a guaranteed contract and you're still getting paid whether you're in the stands taking care of yourself or not or you're on the ice. So it's, I think teams are doing a good job right now of embracing that, but the players also need, and I'm playing devil's advocate, right? Because I'm on both sides and I see both sides. So I'll play both sides here, but it's still a business and it's still a Mm -hmm. job. It's a game, but it's a job. Like I said, I like the growth on that side of the game right now. And I think the managements around the league are growing as well and embracing it. So that's good to see. Yeah, there's a lot of change there, which is, I think, far more positive than negative, which is to your point exactly. So what's up next for Cody Bass? What's the next big thing? What do you have on the horizon? What are you working on? I don't know what the next big thing is. 
I would sit here and say, hopefully the Avs can win a Stanley Cup. I don't want to jinx it, but that would be huge. We got a good team and we got some good management. Joe and Chris are amazing and they're all in. They want to win. This is our window. And for all the sports people, you know, when those windows come, they're short-lived. Now, like the salary cap is, is hurting us right now. But I think right now I'm just trying to float recurve, manage my clients, manage our investors. Learning how to build a business has been challenging. That's it. I'm looking for some warm weather and a little, maybe a vacation here this summer. And, and that, that's it. Sounds like a lot to me. I don't know. You, you minimize the, a Stanley Cup yeah. a business yeah. starting and creating this new business and making it thrive. Seems like there's a lot on your plate and a lot of big things on the horizon. And those are all good things. And not to mention all doing this while being a great husband and father, which are two other huge undertakings as well, but very, very worthwhile, of course, right? Yeah. So you got a lot on your plate, Cody, which is good. Good. Because if you're not busy, then you're bored. And who wants to be bored? If I'm bored, I'm grumpy and I'm looking for a punching bag or because I can't hit anybody anymore. So there you go. There you go. (laughs) There you go. So listen, we end every show by asking each of our guests the same question, because this is the Midland Money Mindset. What did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Be on the show. Come on. Okay. Be on the podcast. I would say this just also just refreshed a lot of memories for me, right? I don't get to speak like this very often. I don't get to do these interviews and these podcasts like I did when I was playing. So for me to start my morning off today and success before I hopped on here, there was a lot of emails already sent with some projects that we have on the go. Also finished up a hockey report from a game the other night. So I think for me, I attack every day the same and I get up and I'm go, 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 go. Amazing. You know what? I'm big into real estate investing. I'm big into learning investment side. I think it's something that players and athletes need to really think about is who they surround themselves with and surrounding themselves with good people that can help guide them financially and to help build their future is very, very important. Yeah, I think that goes for everybody, not just athletes, everybody in period. You have to really be mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with, who you're taking advice from, who you're taking guidance and who you're looking up to and trying to emulate and taking that business advice from. Absolutely. Look at the world we live in right now with the pandemic, inflation. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And like you just said, you got to surround yourself with some good people that you trust and that are like-minded. 100%. So listen, Cody, we're going to have this in the show notes, but if people want to find you, find Recurve, what's the best way and the easiest way for them to do that? Yeah, you can go on RecurveRealEstate.com. That's our website for the real estate side of it. I think I pass along my social medias. I'm still learning, Larry, I'm still learning the social media stuff. Like we have a girl that handles social media, whether it's personal stuff that we do. I hate social media. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so bad. There's so much to it. Yeah. Risha that handles a lot of stuff at her business. She's trying to teach me all this stuff on how to make posts and how to get creative with it. I'm so bland and dry with it. But all right, just give her the information and let her get it out there for you. That's all it'll work. That's right. That's right. Well listen, Cody, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you and make it a great day. You too, Larry. Thank you so much. I want to thank Cody Bass for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Although Cody has retired from hockey, he remains connected to the game as a scout for the Colorado Avalanche. 
In addition, Cody has taken much of what he has learned as a professional hockey player and is now applying it to his new career in real estate. His work ethic, dedication to his craft, and his ability to surround himself with great people have allowed him to grow Recurve quickly. Cody and Recurve Real Estate can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.